Happy Tuesday, everyone. So this is officially my last episode of season one, which is just so crazy to even say that I've been doing this for like six months now. Um, I've been feeling a little nostalgic lately. So thank you to everyone who has listened, even if it was just for one episode of someone who you're a fan of. It all counts. And I absolutely loved every meaningful conversation that I've had. I'll be posting some throwback conversations on socials, but I'm already working on season two, which is coming early next year. So enjoy your holidays, have a wonderful New Year's, and I cannot wait to see what else is to come in 2024. I'm really just so excited. In this episode, I interviewed Zoe Francois. Zoe is a pastry chef whom you may recognize from hosting Zoe Bakes on Magnolia Network as a judge in Silo's Baking Competition on Magnolia Network. She just had a holiday special come out with the lovely Andrew Zimmern, who you all may know. So make sure to check that out. We chatted about her baking cookbooks, elaborate gingerbread houses, and pretty much everything else. So please join me in welcoming the wonderful Zoe Francois. Hi, so great to see you again. I'm really excited because you're in Annie's interview kind of just stuck out to me from a year and a half ago. So I'm super pumped to talk to you today. Oh, terrific. Thank you. It's great to be here. For some context for listeners, I interviewed Zoe over a year ago about Silas Baking Competition, which was on Magnolia Network. It was like a one-hour special at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's a whole big thing, which is very cool. <laughs> yeah, that was the very first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I, I remember. Yeah, it looked really fun. And the winner of that competition was Annie Paul, which who was actually my third guest on the podcast. Oh, wow. She's mm-hmm. awesome. I love Annie. Oh, yeah. She's so amazing. I totally love talking to her. She was so great. She In the beginning, she was like, what are we going to talk about for an hour? But we just <laughs> breezed right through. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so listeners, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. I have so much awesome info on you from your website about your background. So I really would love to dive into that if you're sure. up for it. Yeah, Sure. Yay. Okay. You have a lot of like exciting projects from this year, but let's kind of pedal back a little bit. You grew up in Vermont. Mm -hmm. You started to bake for yourself when you were eight or nine. Most of it was inedible, I read. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember being drawn to the kitchen? Was this more of a curiosity or kind of both? Well, so I grew up on a commune. And so a huge part of being on a commune is feeding all of those people, you know, Mm because there was anywhere from a dozen to 50 people around. Oh, wow. And, you know, we, they were, we were living in Vermont, living off of the land that we lived on. So we grew all of our own food. We raised all of our own animals. Um, and that's like a hunger inducing work. So, <laughs> so it was like a full time job for people to be cooking and there was a pantry to match, you know, so there was like just enormous quantities of food. My dad actually ran the local co-op in town. And so we just had, you know, bulk, everything that we didn't grow came to us in bulk from that co- from that co-op. So as a kid, I was mm-hmm. surrounded by these massive bins of flour and, you know, whatever else was on hand, oats and this stuff, never sugar, um, mm-hmm. but everything else. And so it was a bit of a playground. I mean, it was, you know, either being outdoors or being in this kitchen, um, I think the very, very first thing I ever remember making, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and this is so typical of the time, is (laughs) we would, it sounds like Little House on the Prairie, but we would pass around the butter churn. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. And, I know, it's so crazy. And even the little kids would have their turn at making the butter uh, from yeah. the cows, of course, that we had. So it was, it was an unusual childhood in that there were so many people around, but it isn't that unusual in terms of like farmers or, you know, having a very similar existence. It's just, we had way right. more people to help. Well, I think that that kind of lends to you knowing how, where the origin of your food come from, how it kind of comes to life at the grocery stores and all of that, things like that. I feel like it might give you a newer appreciation if you have to churn your own butter, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's true, but you have to understand that, you know, for decades, really, I rebelled against it. I wanted, mm. you know... I think it was my first day at kindergarten when I opened somebody else's or somebody else next to me opened their lunchbox and I saw a Twinkie for the first time. And mm -hmm. like I said, we were not allowed to have sugar. So this was a revelation to me that these things existed, that sugar existed. My parents had told mm -hmm. me that raisins were candy. And so, I read that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, my world turned from this very sort of you know, maybe unique, but very sort of earnest and wholesome upbringing, well, in certain ways, to realizing that sugar existed and being obsessed with it. And so, you know, I, I've come back to an understanding of that and like wishing that I had been paying more attention. My dad raised bees and grew all of our food and he's a great gardener. Oh. I learned none of it because I wanted okay. to, you know, see what the grocery store had. You know, I wanted white bread. I wanted um, fluff and nutter sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> and sugar cereal. I was obsessed with sugar cereal. So yeah. Oh, yeah, later in life, I, I have such an appreciation for it and, uh, you know, turned around and raised my boys without sugar <laughs> for the longest time. Um, but we rebelled. Did they rebel against you? <laughs> well, I wasn't as strict about it. That's for sure. Okay. okay. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as kids do, they go through, my kids have an amazing palate. I mean, they will eat anything, anything, uh, but they definitely both went through the ramen phase where they ate nothing but ramen. Mm. And mm -hmm. that was a rebellion. Right it broke my heart, <laughs> but I understood. <laughs> How funny is that? I feel like though, this is my personal opinion, when you raise kids and restrict them completely like 100 percent. that's just going to make them want to do it all the more of course like if i had no candy and i knew it existed i would do anything to get that candy <laughs> if i was like a five-year-old yeah exactly it was well i mean i guess i should be grateful because it you know it spurred on my obsession with it um, mm -hmm. And if I was going to have those things, I had to do it myself, which is why I learned how right. to bake. What do your parents, because they were kind of restrictive when you were young, what do they think of your career now and the complete flip-flop? Well, the many things I came to learn many, many years later, probably decades later from my mom's best friend that she herself had a bit of a Twinkie thing. <laughs> Oh, it comes full circle. <laughs> and so I guess I came by it honestly. She never let that be known to me until many decades mm -hmm. later when I called her out on it. But yes, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I think they were, you know, my parents are, are very supportive of what I do and they always have been. And my... Mm -hmm. Root has been a little bit um, unusual. I left college to start a cookie company. Right. And they were always very supportive of that. My mom was a dancer. My dad worked in publishing, um, but was- the oh, So they're creatives. Yeah, they're creatives. They were hippies. Yeah. And so not much surprised them, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think in terms of the sugar, I don't know- that my dad's ever really understood because <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> he's still he he lives in 
in the city and he taps the maple trees on his boulevard, which is honestly illegal. Um, I hope no one listens to this I about know, the maple I know. <laughs> And they've come by before while he's doing it. And they're like, sir, you know you're not allowed to do that. And he's like, really? He had no idea. He assumes maple tree, maple syrup. I got to have it. Um, and they just sort of <laughs> turn a blind eye at this kooky old man. But, you know, he raises bees for honey. He taps his his city trees for maple syrup. So, I mean, that's. He loves the things I bake, but in his heart, I still don't eat sugar. <laughs> mm. Parents believe what they need yeah, to believe. Exactly. Pure denial. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't think that honestly tapping maple trees would be illegal either. So Yeah, technically I they're mean, the I city's guess. trees. I think that might be the oh. issue. <laughs> But he has his, he taps them all the way down the street. So he has his, um, you know, tubing that collects the sap and it's hilarious. And he makes, you know, out of all the gallons of sap that he gets, he probably gets a a quart of maple syrup. Um, (laughs) That is so, so funny. You grew up in Vermont, right? So he's in Vermont. Uh, He's now, I actually followed him here to Minnesota. Um, my husband oh, and okay. I, I was going to say Vermont would be perfect. Yes, Vermont. <laughs> yeah. And I have a feeling in Vermont, they're used to people tapping every maple tree. So mm. it's probably not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's state by state, yes, probably. <laughs> exactly. check, your, check your city ordinance before you tap your trees. I'll ask, I'm in California, so I'll ask the Secretary yeah. of State. Yes. <laughs> When you started baking, what I actually found interesting is around eight or nine years old is when people in the culinary industry start to gain that kind of interest, which is just a trend I've seen. So I wonder if there's like science behind that. But when you started baking in your household, did your parents help out or was this kind of a one woman operation? (laughs) Well, there was a lot of benign neglect going on on the commune. So there was always people around, but was somebody in charge? I'm not sure. So Mm -hmm. I more remember, um, I had a friend named Sasha on the, who lived on many of the communes with me. And we would pretty much help ourselves to the pantry. I think eight or nine is when you have enough sort of physical and mental coordination to put things together mm-hmm. <laughs> and turn right. them into something resembling edible. And mm-hmm. so I think that at that, because we were, you know, at three, we were throwing things together and stirring them together in the bathtub. But obviously that was not, right. that was just a physical, like, oh, this is fun. You know, at eight mm-hmm. or nine, we were doing it because we wanted to eat the thing. We were thinking we were making something delicious. Rarely did it turn out that way, but we were putting things, and I don't recall any adults being active in the oven situation either, which I don't recommend and I wouldn't have done with my own children, but these were different times. Um, We also didn't have seatbelts. So, you know, there's a lot of things that went on in the seventies that don't happen anymore. But yeah, there was a lot of experimenting. I think it was about that time. It turned out that what we were making was a Dutch baby, you know, or a puffy, we called them puffy pancakes. And so we would put it into the pan, stick it in the oven and just sit at the oven door and watch this thing rise and then Mm -hmm. try to explode it. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that a time yeah. or two with things like, you know, peeps. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> when you would put them in the yeah. microwave and they would just. Yes, exactly. I have a fond memory of doing that. Um, puffy pancakes were one of my early childhood things that I used to make for my family. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about that. That's awesome. I totally forgot. That unlocked my brain a little bit. <laughs> 
then your first job was at Ben and Jerry's as an ice cream cake maker, which by the way, that sounds like a dream job. Yeah. Well, okay. That was my first like entry into pastry. My very first restaurant job was actually Wendy's. Oh, yeah. really? Did I not put that in my bio? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it, but maybe I skipped I may it. have skipped that on my resume. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hey, not that rude. I worked at Wendy's. Um, I was in charge of the salad bar and the Frosties. So I guess that was sort of pastry. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Frosties yeah, are Frosties good. Frosties were yeah. awesome at the time. And then in college, I worked at Ben and Jerry's, and that was that was amazing. One, the ice cream was incredible. Um, I wasn't a great or fast scooper. So they put me into the cake, cake <laughs> making and decorating. And that's where I was just like, what? This is a thing. Like they gave me a pastry bag. I did not know what to do with the pastry bag, but it was fun. It was really fun. Those first cakes were just a hot mess. Um, and I <laughs> should really apologize to everybody that received one. Um, but I did get better uh, over time and it was so much fun. The crazy thing about working at Ben and Jerry's at the time is that we got to take home two pints of ice cream every for every shift. That's dangerous. It was so dangerous. <laughs> at the time, um, I didn't quite realize. My boyfriend, now husband, I think gained 45 pounds. Mm -hmm. I was working there. <laughs> That's why I never, because I am a ice cream yeah. fanatic. I never stepped into a Dairy Queen to put in an application <laughs> and I never will. Yeah. No, no, no. It was, I mean, <laughs> I had me. been around it all day, so I had no interest, but he would, I'd come home with those pints and I'd be like, where are they? And he'd have eaten a one pint in a sitting. Oh, my. oh yeah. It's so easy to do. That's why I just, I can't even buy it anymore. It's a once every few months kind yeah, of deal. <laughs> exactly. I wonder though, is Ben and Jerry's cake process, are all the decorations kind of similar? Like it's one step process that they have you do, or can you kind of get your creative juices flowing? Well, you have to, you have to remember that this is in the eighties. So the process that they right, have right. now resembles nothing. I mean, they basically sat okay. me in that room. I made the cakes. They gave me a piping bag and I did whatever I wanted. You went for it. <laughs> oh, okay. I am sure that there is a system. I mean, because at the time, Ben and Jerry still owned it and ran it and, you know, would even show right. up. So... Yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure that they have a system and that they, you know, people come in and actually are taught <laughs> and aren't made to figure it out. Yeah. Well, hey, it probably cemented yeah. your love for pastry in the oh, dessert absolutely. sphere, right? So I am, I mean, I'm super grateful it was as, you know, sort of mm -hmm lackadaisical as it was, um, but I'm sure as a company, they're grateful they have a system now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure they, they're on yes. top of it, but for you, it was really great. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you started, did you start the cookie company while you were working there? Yes. It was right around the same time because I was in college at UVM um, the cookie company came out of a business class that I had taken and um, I had to fulfill okay. a math requirement. And so I took this business class <laughs> and the professor assigned a business plan. So we had to write a fictitious business plan. And at the time it was Mrs. Fields cookies and uh, David's cookies and mm -hmm. famous Amos. And so I did a business plan based on Zoe's cookies. I guess as I was finishing up the business plan, I realized that that business sounded like a lot more fun than sitting in that class. So I dropped out of school and started the company. <laughs> That's incredible. Though. Yeah, it was awesome. And I honestly, I probably learned more from doing that than I did sitting in the classroom 
Oh yeah. The, the business was a success in that I didn't lose any money. Um, and so I recouped hey, my, success. I had taken out a bank loan. This was another piece of advice that this professor gave me was take out a bank loan, don't spend it and pay it off so that you build up credit. Well, I spent it <laughs> on this company, <laughs> uh, which was not his advice. Um, but I did make enough money to pay it off and uh, and learned a lot, mostly that I did not know how to bake. <laughs> <laughs> Who were your customers? Was it other students? Oh, no, no, no. I um, it was it was students, but I set up okay. it, it was in Burlington, Vermont, and I set up on Church okay. Street, which is a pedestrian walking only street. And I had a little uh, cart that my husband, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, built mm -hmm. me. Um, it was adorable and had little striped awning. And I would wheel that out, bake all night, wheel my cart out mm -hmm. onto Church Street and just stand there. And it was mostly the business owners from around the area that would come out and buy cookies and all of their oh, wow. customers. So I had a great location um, because there was so much walking traffic. Um, and some days the cookies were amazing and some days they weren't. <laughs> well, I still have so all fun. of those recipes. Um, and in fact, I just finished writing um, uh, my 10th cookbook, which is Zoe Bakes Cookies. Um, and so, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. And so I, I've been really, ha you know, thinking about that time a lot recently. And um, I'm so, so pleased that all of these years later that I've come full circle and the cookies are a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you know all the tips and tricks yeah, now. Exactly. I've, I've come a long way in my baking. Was it more traditional cookies, like chocolate chip kind of thing? Or were these like out of the box kind of Well, thing? they were, okay, so they were out of the box for the time. But you have to understand right. that right. like adding white chocolate and macadamia nuts was like, what? You know, people, and Crazy. you know, mm -hmm. now people want things like rye flour or buckwheat or, you know, these things. Mm -hmm. I was trying to get away from that because that's all I ever had growing up. And so, right. you know, they were out of the box for the time, but not for now. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Now we have like the wackiest cookies you could think yeah. of. Savory, sweet, wild. Yes, wild exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, at the time this was, you know, people were just realizing that there was something a little bit more than Toll House chocolate chip cookies. Mm. And so anything else that you did to them were a little bit wild for the times. Mm -hmm. Did you ever watch uh, that Friends episode where they were looking for the Nestle Toll House recipe the entire no, time? Basically, um, one of the characters, their grandma left a recipe for them and it was like this chocolate chip cookie recipe they couldn't find it anywhere they made so many cookies to try to match the flavors and it ended up just being a nestle toll house recipe well i mean <laughs> it's the hilarious thing is that i inherited my grandmother's recipe box and all of these cookies that i had remembered from my childhood because she was the only person where I was allowed to have sugar at her house. <laughs> so, oh, so she was your yeah. favorite. <laughs> so I would go to her house for the holidays and she made like dozens of cookies and, um, and I was allowed to have sugar cereal at her house. So, but then Ooh. I inherited her recipe box and some of the recipes she tweaked, but some of them were straight out of Betty Crocker and you know, it, that those were the times that, those are yeah, good, they were mm -hmm. delicious, but, you know, um, I'm pretty sure every household had those same exact cookies. And so it totally I makes sense it. to me that, that that episode of Friends, they'd be, you know, grandma's cookies were 
Toll House or Betty Crocker. When you said Betty Crocker, my mom still has the giant book yeah. that has all of those recipes. And I, I look through it when I'm home because she puts her other recipes in it yeah. too. And I'm like, this is such a classic I have my grandmother's thing. from the 50s and it has like, I can see where she set down the eight inch cake, chocolate cake pan because there's a ring of mm -hmm. chocolate <laughs> on the page and it's just stained. <laughs> I think she made every recipe out of that book. Oh my gosh, you have to. It's a rite yeah, of passage, exactly. I think. <laughs> so you, then you went to the CIA, and then during that time you were offered a job as Andrew Zimmern's pastry assistant, which I didn't yes, know. Yes, yes. So, that is so cool. How did that well, come Well, I actually, so I, I, my husband and I moved to Minnesota. I was working at an ad agency and just not happy is, you know, not a strong enough <laughs> vision of it. Um, and I would come home and I would bake and cry and bake and cry. And he, he said, why don't you go to culinary school? You love to bake. Uh, so I, I actually went to the local, just like the local college here, um, community college okay. and took some classes and was like, this is it. This is, this is where I've always meant to be. They weren't making the food that I wanted. So that's how I ended up at the CIA was because I wanted, okay. you know, I just wanted a different type of food. I, um, but I left my husband and dogs here in Minnesota and went out to New York to do that. And then that's a big step. it was huge. It was huge. Um, and then my professor said, there's somebody in Minnesota looking for a pastry assistant. You should talk to them. And so I talked to Andrew over the phone for about three minutes, took the job, left school, when, which seems to be a habit of mine, <laughs> um, <laughs> went back to Minnesota and realized that I had just taken a job with one of the craziest and most brilliant people I know. <laughs> um, and I learned again, I went to culinary school because I wanted the foundation. Like I wanted to understand mm -hmm. the techniques and, you know, baking is a bit of food science. There's a lot more artistry oh, yeah. and a lot more play in it than people give credit. But you do have mm -hmm. to understand some of the very basics of how things go together in order to have a higher ratio of success. Um, and right. that's why I wanted to go to culinary school. And so I got that bit of foundation. Um, and then the real education comes in working in a professional kitchen or a bakery or, you know, wherever else, whatever Right. you know, avenue of it you want to do. And so I learned so much. The other thing I learned from Andrew, because this was before he was ever on TV, was... I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I wasn't this, sure if this was so we would, he, yeah. we would go to lunch and he would bring his giant camcorder. Do you even know what that is? <sighs> it was a... I think I do, yeah. It was one a of those. camera that was like this big. And it had like a big, huge strap that you could put around your neck and he would hold it up and videotape himself eating lunch. And we all thought he was just nuts, but he was, <laughs> he was practicing. He knew he wanted to be on TV. He was putting in his 10,000 hours, not only as a chef, but as on camera. And this was like mm -hmm. before cell phones or mobile phones or any of that. So people weren't videotaping right. themselves a hundred percent of the time. He was ahead of his time, man. He was so ahead of his time. We thought he was just crazy and mm -hmm. he was a genius. I mean, he really, and he did it, he went for it. And so watching that process and watching his understanding of not only the craft of cooking, but also mm -hmm. making a living at it. Because at the time, cooking was not a career where people made money. It was, okay. a, it was a labor of love. And mm -hmm. um, so he had a different take on it all. And that was really 
fascinating to watch. Right. And especially growing up, not in that space at all. And then doing a total 180 and having hands-on experience and someone who also believes in you and is reaching for the stars per se. Yeah. He always said that I would be on TV and I always thought again, that he was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He knew. He had (laughs) known. He did. He really, he knew it. And he was very confident about the whole thing. And I was just like, you are nuts. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it took many decades to get there, but he was right. My grandma always said I was going to be a senator, but I squashed that dream real quick. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. You never know. You're very young. It could still happen. (laughs) I mean, I didn't get on TV until I was 50. So there's a lot of time. Yeah, I was wondering that because I feel like I, I don't know why I assume because you're so, you're so like jovial and just so meant for TV. I was like, I didn't realize that Zoe Bakes only started three years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, I mean, the whole thing, this whole ride, this next part of my career Mm -hmm. started when um, my kids were teenagers because I was, you know, I was a couple of things. I was a stay at home mom and I wrote cookbooks. And so I was able to stay at home with them because I was writing cookbooks and I could do that from home. And then when they were teenagers, I realized they had no idea I was a pastry chef. (laughs) They knew that I baked for them and I would bake them these wild cakes and, you know, I would do the holidays, but they didn't know me as a working person. And I was really, I, I realized at that moment, not only did I want them to see me as that person, but I also wanted it back for myself. I was like, this, it's my turn. I've raised these two boys, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tag your it. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you, all, you know, at, at that age, the pa- parents have very little impact on, on who they're going to be. They're going to be their own people. Right. And so I decided that I wanted to do my thing. Um, And my, you know, previous to that, when I was home with the boys, I was writing a series of bread books, Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day. And we, we, Mm -hmm. my uh, co-author Jeff Hertzberg and I wrote eight of them. (laughs) Whoa. I know. And I, I mean, I really, um, that was a train ride because they did very, very well. We've sold about a million copies But it was really only one dimension of my baking. And so Mm -hmm. I decided that I wanted to do a pastry series. And so I took off and and did that. And along the and then the pandemic hit and Instagram Mm -hmm. uh, became a very important place for me because we were all isolated I started right. doing Instagram live videos with my sons who were home. Oh, how cute. Um, it was such a blast. And it was the first time I was in front of the camera. And I was so comfortable because I was home. I was with my boys. It was just like, you know, it just felt. And I was, you know, with the community that I had, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, met on Instagram. And so it just felt easy. And when I did that, I was approached by production companies and they asked me if I was interested in doing TV. And so that's how it came. It was sort of this organic thing. It wasn't something I had set out to do. And Andrew owns a production company all these years later. So full circle again. Um, Mm -hmm he said, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, let's try this. So that's how it happened. Wow. That's so full circle. That seems like a really meant to be kind of scenario too. It's hard to step in front of the camera when you're not used to it, especially with your background. And it wasn't really like a known thing. And now all of a sudden everyone's in front of the camera. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, these days you almost have to add that to your skill set. It's not enough right. to be a baker or a, you know, whatever else you are doing, even an accountant. There are, you know, YouTube channels of accountants 
describing mm-hmm. what they do. And so I feel right. like everybody, like my boys just have grown up comfortable in front of a camera. They're not always as comfortable on my show as they are on their own, you know. Well, that's a big production. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. They, you know, I think they enjoy doing it, but they get, you know, as people do. And my husband refuses. He just flat out refuses to be on the show. But yeah, is it a nerves thing or he just doesn't want to? No, 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 no. We have a great big old house and on the third floor is a ballroom. And he's, he's turned that into his office and he goes up there with the dogs and locks himself in while the cameras are here. (laughs) And he just, he won't even come down for like, he's scared they might mistakenly get, catch him on, on camera. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Not everyone yeah. is meant yeah, 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 to be yeah, yeah. I totally respect it. it. Yeah, yeah, I respect that a lot too. So you were you weren't nervous for your first show? You kind of felt like you were totally ready, or were there some nerves when you Well began? well that's a good question because the very first project that I did with Andrew's production company was a series of of classes. Um like online class you were teaching teaching and that's my comfort zone like i would say teaching is now the thing that i love the most i love baking Mm -hmm. and i do that every waking moment that i can Mm -hmm. but the thing that brings me the most satisfaction is teaching other people how to bake because i think baking in particular is is very intimidating to people and so when i see Mm -hmm. someone have that like oh, I can do this. And not only can I do it, but it's really fun. That's the thing that like gets me going. Um, And so we did this series of classes and because I was just doing the thing that I love to do, I kind of forgot about the camera. And so we did a series of those classes and I really liked it. um, And they wanted to pitch a show And then I found out that Chip and Joanna were starting their own network. And I was like, that's where I want to be. Like, I loved. Did you know them previously? No, I mean, I knew their show. I didn't know them personally, but I knew Mm -hmm. their show. And I loved that their show was about their craft and their love of their craft and presenting that. And it wasn't. It wasn't them pretending to be anything other than themselves. You know what I mean? They weren't a character. They weren't like, you know, trying to do, you know, they weren't entertaining us other than entertaining us because they're so good at what they do. And so I love the sort of authenticity of what they were creating. And I was like, that's where I want to be because I'm not an actress. Um, and so I needed to be able to be myself. Right. I mean, you're a pastry chef. You're not supposed to be an actress. Yeah. You didn't go into that field. <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of, you know, I had, they had sent my, uh, what they call a sizzle. So it's the audition tape. They had sent okay. it to other networks. And um, the feedback that I got was, okay, who are you going to be like, you know, what's your character? Who's this? What's the storyline? And I was like, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And Magnolia just let me do the things that I love to do and tell the stories that I wanted to tell. Uh, So it was just like the perfect um, scenario. Right. I I think you do in certain food shows, you have to be theatrical to a point. I mean, you have to be enthusiastic, you have to be enticing, that kind of is part for the course, but like, to kind of change the arc of your personality, that's not really natural. Yeah. And I feel like that would be really difficult, at least from my perspective. Yeah. And I feel like uh, viewers would be able to see that, you know, and there are people who are both talented actors and now you see it on um you know on the food network they have actual celebrity like actors who have food shows so i right. mean that's you know if they can do all of that that's amazing more power to them. yeah 
yeah, 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 yeah. Power to him. yeah. Andrew as well. He's he's wonderful on TV, really? but I've spoken to him a few times just over the phone for like interviews and stuff. And he's so funny. He's the same. <laughs> he's so oh my! So we just did this holiday special for Magnolia. I saw it. it looks so fun. We had such a blast. It was hilarious. I just like Patrick is our was the director for the show, and mm -hmm. I mean the man worked for a living on that to keep us on the rails. <laughs> 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 that's the best kind of show though <laughs> we were just it was um it was unstoppable we had such a blast i hope we get to do more <laughs> i don't know I, I don't know that patrick has has recovered yeah he recovered <laughs> <laughs> were you guys cooking on that was that yeah. like what was the premise yeah, the yeah premise no, we, uh, we got together so i've known andrew for nearly 30 years um, and we've done okay. just about everything but throw a party together, you know, mm -hmm. just like in in our homes. Obviously, we've done it in restaurants and, and in public places, but just like our own personal party. Um, so he came mm -hmm. over and we cooked together and created, I mean, we were, it was a little over the top, but it's the holidays, so it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just had, I won't give it all away because you can still watch yeah. it, stream it. Um, but he, he yeah. whipped out a surprise that <laughs> there was laughing and crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm excited to yeah, watch yeah. it. Now, now it was really it. fun. I really loved it. The ultimate teaser. <laughs> I love holiday baking things. <laughs> so you love holiday things? Oh yeah. yeah. Holiday baking things yeah. is so fun. I've been watching like videos of TikToks and yeah. all this stuff. I was watching some of yours and just going through all the pastries. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's so fun. I know. And this is the time of year too, where I feel like people take on big projects and I love that. Like everybody mm -hmm. loves a super simple, throw it together, one bowl, get it in the oven, have something delicious. But then there's also just the fun of taking on a project and having the details and, mm -hmm. you know, and doing something that's, it's almost like craft, you know, where you're putting something together and then you have this beautiful thing at the end. So I love both of those. Oh, I love it. I love it. We do these like gingerbread houses every year. And then I have like a whole cookie day going yes. on. Um, the gingerbread houses, I end up getting tired. So they never turn ah. out. <laughs> oh. plan in my head. Well, one of the things that I do in the show is I make, because my house is yellow, I do it out of sugar cookie instead of gingerbread cookie. But I recreate oh, my house out of cookie. Um, Oh, and I basically, oh my gosh. does that take forever? It takes a while, uh, but I have it down because I do it every year. Okay. And I also inherited the blueprints of the house so I can really get kind of precise. I mean, this oh is gosh. a crazy over the top bonkers thing to do, um, but it's so much fun. It's so much fun. But just, you know, that kind of project is like, I love it. And Andrew helped me with it, oh, which was hilarious oh he yeah. did wait do you do the inside too like are there people in it <laughs> oh one year um i put people in the windows i didn't this year but that's such a good next year okay. so <laughs> yeah or some some year it'll just be life-size and we'll just do the party in that cookie house we'll do it on oh set. my gosh i'll need chip and do joanna for that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you do life size, I want to be in the audience. <laughs> that would be amazing. Because you've been behind the cameras so many times now, do you have any kitchen mishaps or pastry oh, mishaps yeah. or anything? They should do a bloopers reel of all the things. What happened to those? Yeah, what happened to those? It should be at the, the end of every episode. They should show the like reality of behind the scenes. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. You know, where like you throw the broiler on and you walk away and 
<laughs> you've mm -hmm. incinerated whatever you're making or you turn the mixer on high and just there's just a you know a bomb of flour Dang all it. over the kitchen yeah totally happens i feel like i always make a mess without intending to yeah. like everything every ingredient i put in i'm just like i spill it somehow i do something I, last night i literally made brownies and the cocoa powder got everywhere i was like how did i even do this i was on the today show it, it was a virtual thing so i was home and i dropped i make um my own homemade vanilla and i've you know i do it in these big huge jars just threw it like it just like flew out of my hand smashed no. onto the ground it didn't break and i just like seamlessly oh. picked it up and kept going but it's like this is not the time you want to be throwing your <laughs> like you know 10 year old bottle of vanilla on the floor so yeah i mean it totally My happens gosh. and your hands are covered in butter yeah. and it's just like you know that was a live taping it was no? live yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I'm just like, <laughs> I got to pick it up. <laughs> Here I am. Uh, if it's spilled, they're just be like, cut, cut. <laughs> no, they just would have got, they just, just went with going. it. They're like, oops. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know when you said the homemade vanilla, I remember a part of me and Annie's conversation where she said that you told her to make homemade vanilla. And now she does it. Yeah. It takes a while. It takes a while, delicious. but it's so good. It's, you know, I feel like it's mm -hmm. one of those kitchen moves that everybody has to do. Uh, you just have to plan ahead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just okay. vanilla beans and vodka and you put them together and let okay. them, you know, sit together so that it really ripens into a, a beautiful extract. And it does take time and it yeah. takes a lot of vanilla beans, but it's so good. And then there's a super simple hack if you already have um, store-bought pure vanilla. It really mm -hmm. wouldn't make a ton of sense to do this in an artificial vanilla extract, but you can just okay. take a vanilla bean, split it, scrape the seeds out and put it into your store-bought vanilla. And then you'll add all of that. Mm. Um, extra flavor from the beans Ooh. to it. Oh, yeah, so you can just augment store-bought vanilla with that, uh, but make while you're letting your homemade uh, rest into perfection. Oh, okay. I Vanilla is like one of my favorite ingredients. It just smells, it so, smells good. so good. You can't use a lot of it, but... Yeah, it's not so one of those things where I typically make something just vanilla. You know what I mean? Like it's for me, right. it's more of a base flavor. It's like salt. You would never bake something without salt, but it shouldn't necessarily be salty. Yeah. It's just that it's mm -hmm. it makes everything else taste even better. Um, and so that's how yeah. I think of vanilla as well. That's interesting. I've never really thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. What's one of your favorite recipes that you've made on the show to date or on air? Oh, wow. That's a big question. There's so many. Um, There's so many. So, okay. So like I said before, like some of these things are super fast, go together super quickly. Um, and then there's projects. Mm -hmm. They let me do the thing that I loved about creating the show and doing it with Magnolias, they let me do these projects. So because they're used to building houses, so, you know, it seems right. like nothing to them. <laughs> um, That's yeah. Fair. So I did on one episode for, um, for New Year's Eve, I did a, a croquembouche, which is, you know, cream puffs. Ooh. And it's like this tower, tower of cream right? puffs. And then I did spun sugar around it. Um, and it was just so mm -hmm. much fun. It's just such a fun thing. And then the other thing that I always love is doing meringue and then whipping out the blowtorch and torching mm -hmm. it. I, oh, if I can get a blowtorch in every episode, I would. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Zoe in a blowtorch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe welding will be my next uh, show. 
<laughs> yeah next that could be that could be do it pitch it to chip and joanna yeah, exactly. maybe they'll be on board. Well, come on and build for them <laughs> hilarious how funny i actually have a fun question so because you've been a judge on silo's baking competition and chopped sweets you were on mm -hmm. do you think that there's like do you find that for yourself that there's a lot of distinctions between hosting and judging a show oh ho yeah i think it's you know like for me the the joy of doing zoe bakes is in mm -hmm. not only telling the stories but also teaching people like i was very I was very excited that they let me walk people through a recipe so that people could actually do it. Do it. That they could, because I'm a recipe developer as well. And so for a recipe developer, the best thing is when people make your recipes. Um, and so I mm -hmm. really wanted a component of being able to teach people how to do these things. Judging the thing, judging these competition shows is so different because I'm tasting all of these delicious things, mm -hmm. but it's interacting in a very different way. And, right. and I'm judging somebody's baking, which is, you know, counterintuitive to a baker mm -hmm. who just wants everybody to love each other and be happy and eat delicious right. things. So... The one, the silos one was so great because there was just, it was, it's like the great British Bake Off, you know, there's just mm -hmm. this feeling that is so true to bakers that everybody was just there really to bake and have a good time and everybody loved each other. And Annie was like off helping other people <laughs> or, you know, visiting and there was, there wasn't this like cutthroat competition, which is something that makes me so anxious. <laughs> um, and so, it makes me anxious watching it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just from watching, I would never be a competitor. No. I say that and then watch, I'll probably do one. But um, <laughs> that's, so this was like tailor-made for me. When they asked me to do it, I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I don't want people to be fighting. And they're like, no, no, no. This is like, these are bakers. And it totally, mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved that show. Yeah. I, it definitely depends on the ambiance of the show. Because yes. if it's like, go, 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 go. Like they have to do in 15 seconds. That's stressful to watch and then to judge it. It's like, how do you judge someone who did this in 15 seconds? You know? Yeah. I think the, the craziest thing about the silos one is that we were outside in Texas. And so who knows what the weather right. is going to be? You know, it could be a thousand degrees <laughs> or it could oh be gosh. like windy or, you know, so that I feel like was the pressure point. Right, right. I cannot stand sweating, let alone doing it on camera <laughs> in a competition. Exactly. <laughs> Worst nightmare. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this is the actual fun question, which is kind of a segue to um, you saying you would never be a competitor, but we'll see if you, when you answer. Okay. What is one food or baking show that you would like to be on? It could be any show oh. as a judge, contestant, or host. Oh, okay. So I would say the Great British Bake Off. I mean, I think that's yeah. the original competition show where I was like, oh, this is delightful. This is like, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, this captures the essence of bakers and that's the original one. So I think I actually auditioned for the American version, but didn't really. Yeah. But didn't as a judge, but didn't really understand I didn't understand the industry at the time. So they said, come to the audition. It was a Zoom audition. Come to the audition camera ready. And I thought they meant like have your camera on. I didn't realize they meant hair and makeup. Oh. <laughs> and so I, I come on. There's a panel of like eight producers on the other end of this Zoom call. And they're like, are you ready? And I'm like in a t-shirt, just like in my regular, you know, cooking outfit. And they're like, Hmm. Okay. Um, oh my God. yeah, I learned a thing or two on that too. 
<laughs> that is so funny. Honestly, well, now you know. Lesson learned. It's hilarious. I know. I called Andrew after that, and I was like, uh, I think I blew that. <laughs> you didn't you didn't it's okay it was practice for your next it's all practice and this okay so that in a nutshell is baking it's all practice like people Mm -hmm. expect to get something perfect the first time and it's like you have to enjoy the process of getting there right and perfection is like not really part of the equation it's like just practice no, and not. each time it's going to get better. And But having fun doing it is the most important part. Mm-hmm. And you can taste that. Yeah, I agree. Cooking, it, pretty much cooking is a similar way as well. It took me a while to make chocolate chip cookies that were actually good. I would over bake them for some yeah. reason. I don't, maybe I just didn't pay attention to the cooking time. I don't know what it was, but. Yeah, and everybody's so individual because some people want a super crispy cookie and some people want a soft one. Right. And so it's like what your perfect cookie is will, will be somebody else's, you know, they'll, they'll want something entirely different. Right. Right. I remember you said to me, okay, this actually stuck out to me. Like literally a year and a half later, you were like, read the recipe all the way through. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> so simple. But I was <gasps> like, since you told me that, I was like, I have to read it through wow, now because I would great. never have to read it. That is, I think, my number one piece of advice to people because it seems so obvious um, and yet people mm-hmm. don't do that. And then they're surprised in the middle that they need a piece of equipment or they, you know, need the the temperature mm-hmm. of their butter to be a certain thing. And so just a quick right. read through will really take all the surprises out of the recipe. <laughs> yeah, it's the butter that gets me. I always yes. to take it out. That's my one You are thing. not alone. <laughs> we all do it. Is there one common baking mistake, especially with you getting so many questions for the holidays that just drives you crazy or anything that you can mention? Okay, so there's a couple of things that come to mind. The first one is the one we just talked about is temperature. Temperature is very important Mm -hmm. for ingredients. So like you said, read through the recipe and know what the temperature of the ingredients should be. The second thing is making substitutions. When you substitute yeah. something in a recipe, you're really changing the recipe. And so it's fine to do it. You just have to realize that you've entered into an experiment. <laughs> um, and so you have to understand that it may not come out looking exactly like the picture or tasting exactly like the description. And some Mm -hmm. things are more easily substituted than others. But like I said, it's great because you might invent something absolutely fantastic, um, but you just have Mm -hmm. to level set your expectations um, once you do that. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I'm always looking up substitutes for everything because I don't always have all the ingredients. But you're right. You do have to realize that that will change the outcome at least slightly even if it's not a big change it's gonna do a little bit the other day I feel like it's always like milk is something that I always end up certain milks like heavy Mm. cream if it needed whatever kind of that um butter to for butter what butter do you normally use most often in baking well because I'm developing recipes um for people I try to use a butter that's readily available and so i will get you know land lakes is probably the most common one locally here um but kirkland Mm -hmm. from costco or i'll try to use something that i feel like everybody in you know nationally can find if i'm using a butter like Kerrygold or a different european style butter I'll name that in the recipe because it really will change. There's so much more fat content in those butters that it really might change right. the recipe. And so I'll I'll name the butter if I'm using something like that. Okay. Yeah, because I know Kerrygold is just, it's slightly more expensive, at least in yep. my area. Yep. 
but I know a lot of bakers kind of swear by it, but I don't, I don't know. I just never opted for that because it's not something I have. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I think people, you know, the recipe has to work with the ingredients that most people can get a hold of. And also, you know, it's Mm -hmm. hard to require something that's much more expensive. There are exceptions Mm -hmm. where it's just so much more delicious because Kerrygold, um, Kerrygold in particular is one that I love to use because one, it's an, a European butter. And so the fat content is higher. Um, and so you just get the textures can be just amazing. And also you'll notice that Kerrygold okay. is really yellow and it's because the cows only yeah. feed on grass. It's just a delicious mm-hmm. butter. But like you said, it's expensive. So you want to save it for, you know, special things and recipes that are written, you know, with that kind of butter in mind. Okay. For chocolate chip cookies, I could ask you like a million questions. Yeah, I know we're going to have, I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to have to. I know. I know. I realize it's already been an hour. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to let her go. She's so busy. (laughs) Um, what chocolate do you use in chocolate chip cookies? Um, well, my go-to is Valrona. Um, I feel like for chocolate chip cookies, the chocolate's really important. Having said that, you use whatever chocolate excites you. You know what I mean? I think it's like... Mm -hmm. Their chocolate is like wine or coffee or, you know what I mean? It's like each mm-hmm. one tastes so different. And some people mm-hmm. like a really fruity, almost acidic chocolate and other people like sweeter, mellower chocolate. There's no right mm-hmm. or wrong. The only thing that I would say is avoid coating chocolate because there's fats in that that are meant to stay you know, solid and it's a little bit waxy and not a great baking chocolate. Okay. Yes. You know, if you were doing something that was more decorative and you didn't intend to eat it, which I'm not sure why you would do it, but then you can Mm -hmm. use that coating chocolate. Otherwise I try to avoid it. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, Chef Zach Young, who's on like Food Network and stuff, he has, he tempered chocolate yep. and like coating chocolate he hates like coating chocolate coating chocolate. <laughs> yep coating chocolate no good tempering yeah. chocolate is a skill um one that's fun and i recommend you learn how to do it but it is it that's something that takes some practice to do um mm-hmm. but yeah and I then think. you can do any coverture chocolate or like high quality chocolate and turn it into okay. a really delicious coating chocolate Ugh, okay. I'm taking all these tips as I go into my <laughs> cookie baking marathon yes. with my mom. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about what's next for you. Do you have any upcoming projects? Anything else you'd like to share? Anything going on maybe for 2024 is coming up? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the thing that my I'm mostly in right now is my new book. So the Zoe Bakes mm-hmm. Cookies will be coming out in the fall of 2024. Um, and so I'm so excited. This is a book that is over 30 years in the making for me. I'm excited. Yeah. So it's really, we've been talking about full circle. This is the one. Uh Um, and I just, I feel like cookies too are, are the thing that gets people excited to start baking, you know, because I Mm -hmm. think they are accessible to people and people have so many great memories of cookies from growing Mm -hmm. up. And yeah, so I think I'm nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, very nostalgic. And this book for me, there's some, it turned into almost like a biography because there's different cookies from different parts of my life. And so it was really, it was really a fun and interesting book for me to write. Oh, how exciting. It'll commemorate your cookie company from the beginning and all of that really fun stuff. Yeah. That is so cool. All right. I have my final question for you, which I ask every single guest. I'll skip over the game because I've kept you too long. (laughs) (laughs) 
If there is one baking appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? Okay, well, if um, if it's a splurge, then I'm going to say a stand mixer, just mm -hmm. because if if and when you get super into baking, it does so much of the work for you. It can whip egg mm -hmm. whites. It can cream butter and sugar together. It can knead uh, bread dough. So. It's just one of those like workhorse appliances that mm -hmm. really makes the game so much easier. Having said that, you don't absolutely have to have one, but for some recipes, it just will be a game changer. Okay, I know. I need to invest in one so bad. I really do. And My mom has the one and then I move. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't have a ton of space. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's probably my downfall. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. I literally could talk to you all day. Like, this is so fun. And I'm really, really happy you came on. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. This has been delightful. I've really enjoyed it. And happy baking. Anytime. Oh, yeah. Happy baking. I won't <laughs> flood you with too many holiday questions. I'm sure you're getting a million. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So you can follow Zoe on Instagram at Zoe Bakes or check out her newsletter on zoebakes.com. Then you can watch <laughs> Zoe Bakes and stream it wherever you stream your episodes. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Livin' For Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livinforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time, 